0: Quick announcement before we start. The show 713 podcast is moving to Mondays for new episodes and Thursdays for new episodes as well as replay episodes. We are looking at new and exciting ways to grow engagement and look forward to sharing these enhancements with you soon. And now today's episode. Hey there, hopefully this episode finds you in a better place or on your way to a better place than we all experienced during the recent sub-freezing temperatures and power outages. This podcast is dedicated to understanding how we ended up with the extended power outages and the historical path that has led to the companies and consortiums that create demand, distribution, and oversee the Lone Star State's grid with infrasis on Loan. So welcome to the show again, Shannon. How are you?
1: I'm very well. How are you? We've made it.
0: <laughs> we did. We are on the other side of freeze.
1: Made it through the icepocalypse of 2021.
0: Yeah, it's almost like David Beckham kicked the earth a gazillion miles away from the sun, and then all of a sudden, Pele, <laughs> from the ethos, kicked it back into coherence. And here we are uh, all this time.
1: I appreciate you rolling a soccer metaphor into, you know, this early into the podcast. That's awesome. Yes, most definitely.
0: But uh, so, yeah, so how did you uh, fare?
1: Yeah, we were really fortunate. Um, we had actually replumbed our house with PEX pipe several years ago um, and got new joints. And so for us, we didn't have any pipe problems, but we were without power and water for about 36 hours. At the end of the day, the reality is it wasn't much more than a just a kind of a big headache and inconvenience compared to what a lot of other people experienced in the state of texas we feel really fortunate i I had both friends family and broken pipes and they're ripping out drywall and repairing things and it's a mess i had one friend where they had to go get a shop vac because water was in all five bedrooms of their two-story house and uh Obviously, and then there are the horror stories of the people who had far worse problems, including the people that didn't make it. Yeah, that's you know, tough. You, I don't know what the final death total was, but it was probably north of thirty.
0: It's getting up there, yeah, for sure. And of course, there's the one child, I guess, that maybe hypothermia. Unfortunately, yeah. did you drip the pipes? Did you cut the main? What did you? How did you go through?
1: No, we didn't. I mean, we uh, we um, wrapped all the pipes. We drained it. We have a sprinkler. Uh, for one part of our yard that we drained, as per spec, what you're supposed to do before a freeze is, is is drain the sprinkler system, and then, you know, we we drip the the pipes the first night. I think more out of habit than anything else. You don't really have to with PEX, but uh, it probably wouldn't hurt anything. Of course, then we got uh, our our local uh, water authority. So we're uh, we're in a part of Houston. Uh, called Clear Lake, and we have our own water authority down here, and oh, nice. they they actually released a statement asking people to stop dripping the pipes because it was adversely affecting water pressure. So, oh, sure, uh, one of the one of the water issues that we experienced. Yeah,
0: we had a pipe burst as well, and uh, definitely done a lot of investigating, and certainly pipes can break from freezing, but a majority of the pipe breaks occur when you just you know unleash you know turn on the water full pressure or something, and that's what causes the burst but as long as the pipe can freeze and keep going back and back and back then uh then it has a place to go and you can hopefully either thaw it from the tap outside or wherever and and let it keep going but but i think a majority of the people when the power came back on they're like man let's you know i'm thirsty or let's get a shower and i think that's where a lot of them or they were out of town too but i think next time i think we'll just drain either the main obviously or even from the street people are saying so
1: well, I think people were didn't really know quite what to do. It's not uh, something that Houstonians. Uh, I mean, I can't speak for people in like Amarillo or Lubbock or some you know north of Dallas, some places that, in Texas that get very very cold on a routine basis. But in Houston, it's not something that that people in this city have a tremendous amount of experience with.
0: No, but we have always, like you said, been told to drip. But I never heard anyone say, you know, drain the pipes. And then, you know, turn it back on when it warms up during the day or something like that. So, But uh, but those are all symptoms of what we could have done, should have done. But uh, I think ultimately, um, certainly in my area of Houston, which is right there kind of at the beltway in 288 in Pearland. And I think that we were, uh, you know, hit on the wrong side of the eight ball when uh, the power was out for 36 or 32, 35 four hours in the single digit freeze. So I think there was going to be a, a tough battle from there. And, and we're hearing that, you know, we were minutes away from maybe the whole state being out of electricity for a month, but, uh, but what are you hearing? And what do you think about any of that?
1: Well, I heard the same thing um, that you did. Um, and uh, I, 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 ERCOT had, so just for those who may not know, there's a, the way that the, um, electricity grid works in Texas is that you have um, a regulator called uh, the PUC or the Public Utility Commission of Texas. PUC or the P-U-C-T, is the same
0: thing. Sure, it's not P-O-S?
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> so they're the ones that provide, they're, they're the regulator, so they're involved in legislation. Um, they're supposed to ensure uh, fair competition. Um, they're supposed to ensure resolution of customer or consumer complaints and so on. And then they regulate um, an organization called ERCOT, E-R-C-O-T. Okay, I've heard a
0: lot about that.
1: And Yeah, so ERCOT does the, they're a, sort of a non-profit corporation that handles all of the operation of the grid. And that when people say the grid, it's not like there's a big circuit board underneath the state of Texas that just Power stuff. The grid is is it's generators connected to transmission lines that are connected to distribution companies. And those distribution providers, like in Houston, would be center point. Okay. And so all of these things um are, are sort of interconnected, and ERCOT manages the operational side of that. So ultimately, AirCOT would be the organization responsible for things like proper winterization of generators and transmission lines and so on which was certainly the fault in this case of what what actually happened was that you had actually not just generators but transmission lines freeze
0: but they're they're the agency right they're not actually running the lines or anything like that it's more of kind of an umbrella
1: so that's correct yeah there's lots of companies involved in lots of organizations but aircot is the is the sort of the overseer of the operation. They're the, they're the one that ties the whole grid together. So you can be a generation company and a generation company might say you own 10 power plants and that's that's just what your company is, right? Your company is overseen at some point by by AirCOT and and the PUC T. So it is, you know, it's the responsibility of AirCOT to ensure the the um I think the continued safe run the operation of the grid and all of the generation companies and, and and how it all ties together and getting that electricity and that power to the distribution companies that in turn get the get it to consumers. it's um, more it's there's obviously more to it than that, but that's it, kind of it in a nutshell. but and so, when you go, when you go, if, because people are looking to point. Who do you point the finger at? Everyone, you know, everyone wants to know who's to blame for this, right? So, it's a it's a bit interesting because the PUCT is the is the regulator of Aircot, so they provide all the legislation. So, we we went through deregulation. Um,
0: when did we go and, through that? Uh,
1: 19, Nineteen. Started in ninety five with wholesale um, electricity. Uh, And then it was, there was a a five year transition period, four or five year transition period to where it became retail, but it first started with wholesale. And deregulation is a bit of a misnomer. So what is deregulation? Because there's actually more regulation now than there was prior to deregulation, (laughs) right? So it's really not the right word. The right word is decoupling. That's the correct term. And
0: what do you mean by that? So,
1: Yeah. So prior to deregulation, the companies that generated electricity, so the the generators, and transmitted it and distributed it um, were the same companies that sold it. They were also responsible for retail. But they were public utilities, right? So there wasn't there was a lack of uh, consumer choice as to where you could get your electricity from. So the idea behind the people that championed deregulation in the state of Texas was that if we can decouple retail from generation, we can increase the competitiveness of consumer choice and that will in turn drive down electricity prices by just by virtue of increased uh um, competition in the marketplace well as some things go uh it doesn't always work out that way um and in fact uh the wall street journal actually published an article today um that that noted that uh, uh, deregulation has cost texas consumers 28 billion dollars uh in uh additional costs so the average consumer right so what they found was um that nationwide um, texas electricity consumers in deregulated markets so this these are in markets not all of texas is deregulated there are some parts of texas that are still regulated that still you still buy your energy from the from the from the generation uh, companies directly right So, in the areas of Texas that are deregulated, um, Texas consumers pay on average 13% higher than the national rate, the national average, right? While the deregulated parts of Texas pay 8% less than the national average. So, it obviously has not been good for consumers in terms of price because we pay 64% roughly more today than we did prior to deregulation
0: are you talking about per kilowatt or are you talking about all the added you know loss yeah
1: i mean it's it, uh, it's, a, it's a good question um it's not just generation it's i think it's everything i think they take into consideration how much you pay um i it, it's worth it's worth digging into the details a little bit more um but the generation rate all of that's set legislation from the PC T so it's probably just more on the retail side um, and of course what 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 people say is that well the generation companies are still public utilities and they still don't have an incentive to uh, innovate improve performance and so on uh, the interesting part about that claim is that um, there were a couple of organizations, in in 2011, we, we we got a little bit of a a preview of what was to come. Yeah. We had a series of blackouts in Texas due to a winter storm we had in 2011, and at that time, there were two there were two um, agencies, and and there's the acronyms. There's acronyms for everything, right? So FERC and NERC, FERC and NERC. FERC is the is the federal I think it's the Federal Electric Reliability Council or Corporation, and NERC is North American Electricity. Um, God, I'd have to look it up again, but but uh, but that's the, but th- those two agencies wrote a report in 2011 and gave it to ERCOT and said, "Hey, by the way, here's what you need to do to prevent this from happening again," and it had instructions on specific action items that they could do to winterize the grid. Um, Texas is used to operating historically in warm temperatures but not in cold temperatures. So here's what you have to do. And they, it was, I don't know, a 350 something page report outlining what they needed to do, making recommendations and essentially ERCOT paid no attention to it. They instituted none of the recommendations.
0: Out of and now, just putting their yeah. head in
1: the sand, or I mean, wh- well, it's unknown really as to to the the decision making process behind that. I, I, I can imagine that's part of all of this public outcry for investigations and whether it's political posturing or or real teeth into some of these things to create some changes. You know, this is the fastest way to create changes to have a disaster like this come in and people die as a result of it. Um, they've already had, as of yesterday, it may have been today, five board members of air resigned. And weren't
0: some of for those not of even life. living in Texas?
1: Yeah. Uh, many of them. Weren't. It's like, that's I didn't good. even know the power was out. I didn't know there was a problem. <laughs> like, well, and that's fair. That's fair. But some of them had, you know, these boards for these nonprofits, you know, it's a lot of retired people. You know, but but and you go like, well, they don't have a stake in it because who cares? They're retired. They've already made their money. But the reality is they also have tremendous experience. One of the guys on the grid um, had experience with Con Ed, which is the the utility in New York. So, I mean, there's there's a there was a lot of experience there, but it's unknown as to why these things weren't implemented. Um, whether, hey, we don't think it's going to happen again, whether or not the PUC T provides enough legislation for them to raise rates to a certain level to where they can afford to innovate in, in winterize because the PUCT controls the purse strings for for Aircot for sure. Um, and individual companies are always responsible for their own stuff, but they all but as a public utility they operate on a budget. So that budget's going to do A, B, and C, and if winterizing just simply isn't in the buz- budget because they're not allowed to set generation prices, right? I mean that stuff has to be approved by the PUCT. So, I mean, I think that there's 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 more than just one group <laughs> that probably plays a role in the failure of the grid. Coincidentally, coincidentally, in 2019, uh, NERC um, released a report. They have this thing called the the Summer Reliability Assessment, and they said that that ERCOT had one of the US's. So, ERCOT's one of nine of these. They're called ISOs um and uh, uh these are nine regional uh grid operators in north america and they said of all nine uh ERCOT had one of the lowest anticipated reserve margins <laughs> so this is the, actually the the margin of unused electric generation capacity right during peak load so the least prepared to deal with uh, a spike in use is ERCOT. And so we knew that also in 2019. Man. And the, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing was done about it, but the, the the report found that ERCOT just was the only part of the country that didn't have enough resources to meet peak demand, even in summertime. And that's when we operate the most in, in, in Texas for sure. Yeah. Houston, certainly. So it's unknown. Uh, it's easy to say that it's so-and-so's fault or this person or that person, but I think it's a combination of several things. Um, it's it's frustrating to understand that when retail was decoupled from generation, that all that money that retail suppliers made uh it's, I don't know how much of that makes it back to the generation companies through just, you know, state taxation or some other method of, of, of getting that money back there. But, you know, we, when you're paying $28 billion more for electricity and barely have enough to get by, you just wonder, you wonder where's the failure in that economic
0: model. Yeah, it doesn't seem.
1: 64% more should lead to some sort of thrift or investment innovation or winterizing or something.
0: So at what point does Texas say, we just want to go it alone? Why wouldn't they reach, you know, to our neighbors? Or is it just because we're so big? Why, why do we think? Or we're just, you know, we're Texas. We do it ourselves. Or when and where and why did that?
1: Those are all, all good questions. Uh, it's, it's a complicated thing, but my understanding is that a lot of it is, is legislators. So there's a difference between um, state regulation and federal regulation. And when you're in trust state, so you're within a single state, um, state regulation, so the P-U-C-T suffices. As soon as you conduct commerce interstate, so if Texas, for example, wanted to plug into Oklahoma, there's a famous thing where they tried this and there was a big lawsuit that came in and then they sort of, I, I don't, they didn't find it sufficient, but, um, then then it, it the industry itself could be regulated federally and so it's possible and i'd have to do more research in this but it's possible that um the idea was not to have federal regulation inside of texas or have as little federal regulation as possible inside of texas when it comes to the electric
0: grid yeah, it does seem to be a theme. part it,
1: yeah and part of it too was with deregulation and and going our own way and Um, uh, Texas wanting to take care of Texas. Uh, there's a, you know, there's a big frontier mentality politically in Texas to this day. And there's a lot of individualism and kind of go it alone mentality. And I think that probably plays a role, but, um, I, my understanding is that we're, we're connected to other grids. We're connected to the Mexico grid, for example. Oh, okay. Um, but when you have such peak usage or, or in this case, lack of supply, It doesn't really matter, especially when some of these other um, grids that we may be connected to are having supply issues of their own.
0: Yeah, I mean, it seems like they didn't even have like, I mean, it was it a supply issue? Like originally, they're like, okay, we're going to start having some rolling blackouts, you know, hour uh, hour off, three hours on, or however you know, just enough so you can a keep up temperature wise, but also you can keep up from your pipe wise as well. And uh, at what point and why did that? Just, I mean, just everything froze up, or did they just not start the, the rolling soon enough? Or?
1: Well, I think that that they would, ERCOT would tell you that they started it in the nick of time, as you alluded to earlier, um, and, and they said that they were minutes away from a situation where, if they did not make a decision on some of these rolling blackouts, that it could have parts of Texas could have been without power for a month, and, and that changes everything substantially. However, it is true to say that it is strictly um a supply problem but supply also means generation so when you have you know and the, the thing that chaps my hide a bit about this the some of the political pundits the punditry out there on on cable news and social media suggesting somehow this was a failure of um green energy initiatives within the state um green energy uh, according to ERCOT, really only represents about a third of the entire grid yeah so the other two thirds of the Texas grid are coal, natural gas, um, nuclear, um, things like that, right? And so, what you had is you actually had coal plants. And this happened in 2011. So you had you had coal generation plants freeze. You had natural gas generation plants freeze. You had pipelines that transmitted um, the energy, like natural gas pipelines froze. And so, you just you couldn't generate the energy, and then you couldn't transmit it and so it was a supply issue for sure we couldn't we couldn't number one we couldn't generate the energy and then two we couldn't get it supplied i think once the electricity gets put on the grid i don't know of any any issues that i can recall of of sort of that particular distribution failing i just don't think that the supply of electricity to the to the grid Mm. was what was affected um from from a generation standpoint
0: yeah i can say uh i've traveled up to the indiana area and we've driven up and down chicago down to indianapolis and stuff and and they've got uh turbines wind turbines as far as the eye can see and i know that their temperatures consistently get way colder than ours and uh and they seem to keep the lights on i've never talked to anybody there that's like you know they were out without power for 30 hours or anything like that. So,
1: oh, yeah. So, yeah, I don't do think that's a better. valid
0: thing. Huh?
1: Steve, I'll do you two better on that front. Okay. Norway.
0: They're all about... Pretty
1: cold. It does get pretty, pretty cold. cold. They got yeah. some turbines up there. Turbines don't freeze because they're properly winterized. I And the best place of all is McMurdo Sound in Antarctica, powered by wind turbines. The
0: Turbines up there. <laughs> that's pretty sub-zero there all of. The- round isn't it
1: yeah yeah uh so it's we 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 know it's easy to do and i I don't know if it's one of these yeah it's the five thousand dollar upgrade on the uh you know i don't know the hundred million dollar you know wind uh wind generator but I, i don't know what the costs are associated with it but but essentially those costs were detailed and all you had to do was was raise the money to do it and who knows maybe that's a legislative issue you know I had talked to some other people about this, and I don't know if we had talked about it b- before this, but you know, infrastructure is not sexy politically speaking. Very I, I, I nobody when's the last time you heard a politician run on infrastructure? <laughs> yeah. yeah, not too many. Hey, I get my power every day. Yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna increase your taxes in order, or we're gonna spend tax money in order to winterize the grid. Winterize the grid in Texas? <laughs> That's insane. and then this happens and people go like oh okay yeah so now everyone's it's like one of those things you know there's always reaction there's there's being proactive and then there's reacting and so a lot of things in the public interest are always they're not really proactive they tend to be reactive something gets messed up and then okay well we got to fix it how much is it going to cost
0: yeah so um i've heard you use the word utility and to me utility means some sort of government entity or some so I don't want to get into Ted Cruz's vacation schedule or anything like that, but uh at what point should the governor have, you know, said, hey, you know, should he have phoned in and said, you guys got this, or you know, was there any kind of disconnect there, or is Aircut such a its own entity that nobody could have said, Hey, I need a report knowing that you guys are going to be on this?
1: Well, <laughs> Uh, are, are you speaking from an expertise standpoint or an accountability standpoint?
0: Uh, I think more of an accountability. I don't know of many legislators that would label themselves as experts. <laughs> so
1: yeah, I, I don't know what Greg Abbott knows about all this. Uh, I certainly haven't talked to him about it, but I, I think um, from from an accountability standpoint it's one of those things where you, where you go like, well, we have these organizations set up. I mean, half the, half of their whole purpose is to be accountable for X, Y, and Z. And, and you you just hope that, that, you know, they, that they do it. Um, the, The accountability issues in my mind don't stem from the events of this year. They stem from the events in 2011 and 2019 when we had, we had information we could act on, um, when, when we get these little previews of, of things to come and, and it wasn't acted on. And I mean, that's not a news story. I mean, think of all the, <laughs> think of all the things that we experience in life where it's like, yeah, we knew about this beforehand and didn't do anything about it. Now we have to. So I don't know if, if, if it, you, I don't know that there was any lead up to it. Um, I don't remember anything in the news cycle that was, Hey, Ercott's meeting today to talk about rolling blackouts I mean it just kind of happened and then it was announced and and I think ERCOT even admitted that it had been a last-minute decision for them and they were they were thinking of how to how to create the least amount of harm with some decisions that they felt that they absolutely had to make to preserve the integrity of the grid as a whole Um, they probably did the best that they could now it's unknown but they probably did the best they could under the circumstances the issue is is they also happen to control some of those circumstances or being prepared for some of those circumstances, um, I mean, the PUCT just has to write legislation, and Ercot just has to, you know, um, operate it. So I, I don't know. Uh, obviously, it, I don't know, and I don't, I don't know that any single person knows it's possible. I think it'll come out of investigations because you know they're having them. I mean, Abbott's announced them. They're looking into everything, and then you have board members resign and stuff like this. And so, I think they're gonna they're gonna find out who knew what when and um, what they could have done. They'll do a post mortem on this, you know. Um, and here's the thing: here we are again with. there's gonna issue a 350 page report on what actions. <laughs> <item laughs> Palates and stuff. I don't know. I mean, it's like history repeats itself. We'll see if they do anything about it and what the pain level is for instituting the changes they do recommend. Yeah. It could be a big bill.
0: So I'm seeing more and more uh, both in clickbait, which is really hard sometimes not to uh, click on when it's like, you know, see why solar panels are flying off the shelves even before all of this. And I'm seeing more and more that solar panels are up on people's roofs are we at a point where you can run your house with solar panels or is that just kind of, you know, to get you through the night or, you know, were those
1: people, were they? Yeah. Good question. 10 years ago, the answer would have been no. Five years ago, the answer probably could have been maybe. I think today with solar panels, you have a better chance than ever before. That's for sure. The technology just gets better and better and better that the, the, the um, efficiency of the solar cells themselves get better. And then that in the cost gets, just keeps going down. Like look at your television set when you buy a 50 inch big screen TV today. I mean, good Lord, 10 years ago, it was $15,000 I'm sure. And now you can get one for, you know, 800 bucks. But um, I think that, I think it depends on the house. I think it depends on your usage. If you have a family of six in a two-story home and you're running the AC all the time, chances are probably less that you're going to be able to run it effectively off solar.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The big issue with solar is that it depends on the weather, right? Um, the big the big change to the solar market has been, and you look at things like what Tesla's doing with its home battery installation. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, and I think that stuff, that technology is really going to drive the immediate future of solar. Is what can you do? How do you store it?
0: Mm.
1: Because the 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 whole idea is to you don't want to just run solar power, and you used to have to uh, when the when the when the time was right. You know, you just switch over to solar and you'd stop taking from the grid. And if you if you produce too much, you'd sell it back to the grid at whatever the rate was. Mm. Um, but, but now, I mean, I've heard stories of people who run their entire house off solar and they end up giving back. Like I haven't, like I, somebody was telling me that they haven't paid an electric bill in six months. Wow. It seems, it seems weird to say that because I don't know their situation. I, I don't recall if they had a, a, an in-home battery. Those things are available. Yeah. They're expensive. They're expensive, but you know, I don't, is it, is it Elon Musk? Is he working on the the solar shingle? I know that technology is coming. I
0: don't know about the solar shingle, but I do know that he does have a battery for the house. If you go to tesla.com and, and they'll, they'll show you like a video of what they've got going, but it's definitely one of their offerings that they're kind of not really making, you know, some serious campaignage around, but, uh, it's definitely, uh, starting to get some legs. And I would imagine after this probably more, but, uh, you know, I mean, these solar panels on these houses around our neighborhood are pretty mammoth for sure. And uh, like you were saying, the storage is, is probably one. But with this particular storm, I mean, there were, so, were certainly one or two days that were snowy and overcast. But even when we were sub-freezing, that sun was blowing on and, you know, you'd open the window and, and feel the heat. So I would imagine anybody that had a, a cell on the roof probably uh, made out okay. I don't know if you can run your AC on solely, solely on those but
1: well I don't think you would need to when it's freezing <laughs> outside. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's
0: probably yeah gas I guess yeah. is running your heater but
1: right. I I don't you know it's a it's a fair question I know that that solar technology um does not perform as well in cold but just like battery technology does not perform as well in cold weather but um that doesn't mean it doesn't perform at all mm. it just means that there's an efficiency hit but it used to be you know, I don't know what 10, 15 years ago, solar was this early adopter thing. You know, it was this, if you, you were going to lose, it was going to cost you 40 grand to put one in a house. Yeah. but you better get one when you buy a new house, so you can roll it over into the mortgage and you'll never get that money back in terms of savings on electricity that when they first became kind of a thing. And I would say a thing because in the seventies, people had solar panels too, but it was just super rare. Mm-hmm. I grew up on a street, 1974 with a neighbor that had solar panels on his roof so <laughs> but he was a nasa probably a nasa engineer and you know early adopter talk about early adopter but even <laughs> even even 15 years ago when people were buying solar it was they did it because of the way it made them feel and they wanted to contribute to green energy and they, they thought they were making a change it was a feel-good kind of thing that just cost you a bunch of money
0: right but
1: now it's getting to a, really a real legitimate option or at least um, a, a part of the matrix of how you get your energy.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think you kind of said it best, I, and I didn't realize that that you know when the sun is bright and you're able to not pull from the the grid, then you just run off the panels and do your thing, and then at night when maybe the kilowatts are less, you, you maybe hop back on the grid. But uh, yeah, it's worth investigating, and uh, you know I'm not sure. Definitely not specifically. Uh, something on the near horizon, but definitely something that will start garnering more and more attention. But, uh, but getting back to the grid itself, um, you know, in your understanding, do we just need to fix and correct the things we have and winterize them? Or do we need to start making even more turbines and, you know, really, you know, redo the infrastructure?
1: Yeah. So, good question. I think the 2019 report really spelled out that we just don't have enough generation.
0: Okay, even if they're all running smoothly and they did what they're supposed to do.
1: Yeah, I think that that's pretty clear. And and, um, certainly, if you look at the way the Texas population has exploded. (laughs) Yeah, right. um, All the
0: Californians coming to Austin and Texas and
1: well just not just that but i mean if you look at now the four of the top 10 largest cities by population in the united states are in texas. Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, San Antonio and Austin. Wow, yeah. Four of the 10 biggest are in Texas. And when you have that population explosion you know, it's one of the reasons if, if you live in a major metro, metropolitan area in Texas, you're familiar with how we just love to pour concrete down here for our cars. So when you have more cars, you just pour more concrete, build more roads. And and you would think that the same would be done for generation, and it has to a certain extent, but, you know, it's got to keep pace with it. Um, you know, you try, you try different things to find more economic ways of, of making power, and you've got to have more power so you can't, you know, you can't just use fossil fuels for everything it's it's not sustainable and and uh as, as much as a certain industry would probably have you believe or certainly would, would like you to use it i mean we don't want to we don't want to end up like uh like china or india with a with a, a, a public health crisis on our hands from from pollution yeah definitely. but but the reality is is you got to have more natural gas is king in, in in texas it is absolutely king um i think that the to answer your question, the two answers are one, yeah, we need to fix what we have now, so we need to winterize what we have now, and that solves that problem. But peak demand issues and providing enough power both in hot you know hot summer temperatures and now cold winter temperatures um that's gonna be there's only one thing that's going to do that, and that's gonna be more generation capacity, mm. you know, and so. If you if you consider these reports you know they're probably looking at 24 hour capacity just going going and going and going and going and not ever turn it off just pumping out be hundred percent so if we can barely meet our peak need demands <laughs> and these guys are going these guys are going at a pretty fair clip yeah it's just more infrastructure you got to have more I mean the ideal would be to find a way to do it all more efficiently rather than just do more of the exact same thing we've been doing right so it's like solar energy gets more efficient. Well, my assumption is somewhere along the lines in the history of the past two decades, natural gas has gotten more efficient. The process of using natural gas to create electricity, there there have to have been efficiency gains somewhere in that process. Did I see um, uh... coal, coal, I don't know. Nuclear, I don't know. Um, but you, you figure that there it's not just a simple. There's got to be things that you can make more efficient. But at some point... It probably there probably is a limit to it. You know, you can only make natural gas so efficient. I mean, it's basically takes natural gas and lighting it on fire.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know,
1: natural gas. That's how it works.
0: Did I see that they're trying to lower natural gas consumption? I thought maybe I heard something about that today. I'd have to read more about it. And they were kind of up in arms about that. uh, But I may be incorrect on that.
1: Well, I mean, part of it was the the bills. There's been a weird billing situation that's happened now as a result of this winter storm. Oh, you know? that was around um, the. Some of just wacko billing things like uh, CenterPoint sending out bills for two hundred and twelve thousand dollars to people, and <laughs> and then and then the reality is the you know the retail electricity suppliers do not have a good reputation in Texas. There, since deregulation, there's been a tremendous amount of confusion about what am I paying, how much am I paying, uh, what fees, what underlying fees am I paying, uh, when my, how how much do I pay to get out of my contract? What happens when my contract is up? Are you going to let me know when that's going to be? And you know, <clears throat> some two issues with that quickly are are one, people don't often read these, they don't often read the underlying nature of their contracts, right? They don't read them. They don't understand. Yeah, you, your your electricity generation rate is this amount. It's set by the PUCT. The the retail supplier has nothing to do with that. They're just charging you the retail electricity rate. And that electricity rate is, you know, it's usually f- f- kind of framed somewhat like this. Uh, it's X cents per kilowatt hour based on Y number of kilowatt hours per month. Uh, there is also an underlying base usage fee uh, of X dollars a month, um, and then there is uh, then there'll be you know any supplier might have fifty different plans to choose from nights and weekends free <laughs> yeah for very little <laughs> no fix this that <laughs> and the other and it's really really confusing uh, and a lot of people just see that you know the the, the regulators. P-U-C-T has gotten out there and tried to provide a simpler way to understand what what you'll be paying. But it's still complicated. And the the retail electricity suppliers are to blame for that. I mean, they use that as a quiver in their arrow, you know. Um, And oftentimes the biggest thing is your contract expires and then you're put on this really expensive variable rate. Because what happens is these suppliers typically, when they buy, they don't, they don't take their Ford Bronco to the generation company and load up on electricity and take it back to their business. You know, that's not how it works. You sign a contract usually, and it's a long-term contract and these retail electricity suppliers say, okay, we're going to buy this amount of energy at this, at this price. And then the suppliers go, or the, the generators go, okay, we're going to, we'll, we'll, we'll provide that to you at that rate, that much at that rate. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and so they, they try to build all these plans out to maximize their profit from it. But if you're not on contract with them, they're just gonna give you whatever the <laughs> whatever the going rate they could get, I guess. And it tends to be astronomical and that's what's happened. I mean, there are people that have gotten bills for for nine was it uh, nine dollars a kilowatt hour. Wow. So when you might be paying thirteen cents otherwise. Wow. Twelve cents, eleven cents.
0: <laughs> so are those gonna get expunged right. or are they gonna
1: Well Governor Greg Abbott has has issued as strongly recommended. The I think I think uh, the PUC has strongly recommended that those those bills not be sent until the issue is resolved. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know that it's there's any sort of official moratorium. It's it's more just like, hey, we're really recommending that you guys don't send those out right now because <laughs> that's that's probably why. Uh, but but it is in fact what people signed up for. The issue is. Nobody expected, even the even the retail electricity companies n- didn't expect this to happen. So they're just billing what it cost. Okay, well <laughs>
0: that sounds very reminiscent of uh, the housing debacle of two thousand eight when people are like, "Oh, I only do two percent interest." Oh well, yeah, well what about the third and fourth year when it goes up to eight and then twelve and <laughs> oh, like that.
1: yeah. Like the balloon or something, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. It's almost like, oh, it'll never get that high. <laughs> You'll sell yeah. before then, or
1: right, yeah. right. And it's it's you know, and then and then you're kind of encouraged to play the game too.
0: Yeah, they you do gamify it. Yeah,
1: yeah. You sign up for this company for twelve months, and in month eleven, by your by your the date that you have, you're required to tell them you don't want it anymore. Then you, then you go get the introductory low rate at some other yeah electricity I and mean, People are changing every twelve months, and then they get caught if they you make a mistake. They get caught up in the game that they tried to play.
0: There's a there's a company that'll help you play that game. Uh, energy Ogre. It's a energy
1: so, Ogre. Huh? It's a
0: software uh, company that basically knows all the plans, and they're kind of like your electric agent. And uh, they go out and shop, you know, the best uh, plan for you, and then you pay them. $10 a month to always be shopping for you. Uh, oh. So, yeah, it's an interesting model. I don't know. but uh,
1: That is interesting. Well, I think, you know, it's all part of it. Where there's, where there's a you know, supply and demand, right? Yeah. There's a demand to be able to play the game. Somebody's going to supply that.
0: So, uh, so as we kind of start wrapping things up, it, we've got the information out there. We've got an awful week. We've got people that have unfortunately perished. We've got pipes. We've got, I'm sure, it will hundreds of millions of dollars. All this is going to go, displaced families. Where do we go from here? What can people do that are listening to keep this in the forefront of the news cycle? But also, you know, do we need to lean on legislators? Do we need to all start uh, emailing ERCOT? Or how do we make sure that we don't, you know, 10 years ago they said, Hey, we got a problem. And then it just kind of, you know, something else came up.
1: It's a fair question. In any situation like this, you know, when you say something like lean on legislators, you know, what does that mean? You know, a lot of these, a lot of people are frustrated and don't really feel like they have much power to lean on legislators. And you know, I I guess, I guess we can storm the Capitol or do any number of other things to vent our frustration with the way things are done. But um, you know, I think I think that there's a an element of that where you got to put pressure on people or just, uh, you know, if people think that the vote's the only thing that matters, then you got to elect different people. But because nobody runs on infrastructure promises, typically it's hard to know, you know, who that person is. I think I think that there's going to be a tremendous amount of public pressure and political pressure to make changes. I mean, when people die, things tend to get noticed. Um, this was a miserable experience for millions of Texans, miserable. And for some families, it's a permanent scar because of what they have to deal with in terms of loss of life. So its I don't know what the answer is. And it's, it's, it's awful that, to say that because I, we have the answer. <laughs> Winterize and increase generation capacity. The problem is that costs money. Okay, so who's going to pay for it? We live in a state, right, with no state income tax that is very, very business friendly. So we tend to, you know, the number one taxpayers in Texas would be big businesses that we give enormous breaks to. And then, you know, people don't want to pay for things. They feel like they're taxed enough. They're taxed through the guilt. Every time you turn around, there's a tax on something. So when when you go like, well, it's going to require more tax money, I think, I think the issue is you're just gonna have to take it from somewhere else. I, I don't know if we're going to pass a new tax or we're going to increase taxes on something to fund this. I don't know what the budget cycle is going to look like, but there's going to, it's going to have to be addressed. There's with, 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 you know, people can, I don't care whether people believe in global warming or not. Extreme weather is increasing both, both during the summer and the winter and it's just, it's happening. So you don't have to have a debate on um, on, on the cause of it. Uh, it's happening, and we need a solution. And so the solution is going to be more generation and winterizing. That's the immediate near-term solution. The only other thing that you could conceivably do is to get people to use significantly less energy. But without any some, some corresponding, you know, Magical efficiency that comes along in people's everyday lives that's not going to happen you know you, you you just we we know what we need to do we just need to have the political will to do it
0: yeah converse, uh conservation definitely uh isn't a word tossed around a lot in texas unfortunately but okay well yeah well i definitely uh appreciate uh your time and uh Understanding of this and uh, having a conversation about it, because uh, like you said, it definitely needs to continue, and it yeah, it needs to be more than just a uh, a few week type situation. You know, hopefully they'll create a a project uh, timeline that we can check back with them before uh, the next storm or the next winter for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean you know, and, and remember, we also know exactly what it takes to do this because we have other states in the uh, in the country that go through serious winter weather all the time yeah. and never have a problem
0: yeah they never drip pipes so, too i mean
1: could, it's not a secret it's not a secret it just it's just it's something we need to do and we just need to you know i, I don't it's difficult to get people to be proactive but it's now no longer a proactive situation it's reactive
0: yeah well, cool well we'll leave it there and uh anybody looking to uh go long on a stock i would find out who makes pex pipe <laughs> they uh they will definitely be doing some serious business over the coming months so uh i've uh, i've now got the blue pipe in my house and uh i look forward to hopefully not having to think about any more uh and pipes.
1: yeah peace of mind is a good thing. <laughs> awesome thanks Shannon. Hey thank you very much Steve. It's always a pleasure.